0: What, you have a podcast? I can't let you do that, Kyle. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Frame, and today is Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. Yesterday, the Democrats went ahead and uh, did their victory lap over the infrastructure bill. And it was a bit more pomp and circumstance than normal. Um, The last time I saw something like this sadly, uh, was after the Republicans passed their tax cuts under Trump. It was very similar in the fact that, you know, they obviously wanted as many people there as possible to show that it was a a huge deal. Uh, The stage wasn't quite as crowded, uh, if you recall that. uh, Trump had, you know, beer and hot dogs kind of a deal at his thing. Uh, There was no food or beverages that I could see at this one. Um, But when it comes to these things, I tend to look at two things, Uh, you know, big, big signing ceremonies, that kind of a deal, you know, when everybody gets up to give a speech, who are they praising for, you know, accomplishing this massive thing, and what are they selling? Because this is really their last chance to sell it. I mean, sure, they can go into an election, but by the time it gets to the election cycle, it's all going to be boiled down to one thing. And I think they inherently know this, and that's part of their messaging problem. Uh, We'll get to that later. Uh, But the first thing I noticed was who they were praising. Uh, This was very much not so much a Trump-like ego boost where if you don't praise dear leader enough, he gets orange and angry. Uh, This was one of those, we're selling to the American people that the president did a really good job. Look how good of a job he did, because as he goes, so does the rest of the Democratic Party, even in the midterms, which technically has nothing to do with him. That is all Congress. Um, And I went ahead and I put together a thing just so you guys could get an idea of who they're praising there. So, Mr. President, you, Mr. President, your Build Back Better agenda. President Biden. Mr. President. Mr. President, your vision. Your agenda is, Mr. President, your pen. Your vision, President. President Biden. Mr. President. President Joe Biden. President Joe Biden. Your leadership, Mr. President. From the very start, you welcomed Democrats, Independents, and Republicans to meet with us in the Oval Office. You welcomed ideas. You welcomed debate, all in the service of getting this bill done. And here is what I know to be true, Mr. President. You are equal parts believer and builder. And because you are, we are all better off. On behalf of our nation, thank you, Mr. President. I also want to thank minority leader Mitch McConnell for voting for this bill and talking about how useful and important it is. Okay, I had to add that little, you know, dig at Mitch McConnell there at the end. It was too good to pass up and and clearly they couldn't, you know, pass it up either. They didn't just thank him. They, you know, thanked him and, you know, went ahead and said, you know, thanks for talking about it, and everything you did. Good job and even voting for it. Woohoo you know which is uh not good for him it's going to put him in the you know spotlight especially from uh the more trumpy of his party i'm all for it um so clearly this was this was supposed to be a big you know hey american people pay attention to us um you know biden is a good president look what he can do look at how he helped isn't he awesome um and on top of the democrats general messaging issue that they have. Right now, one of the things they have uh, also is competition, unfortunately. There are two other huge stories happening in the news at the same time that they're doing this press conference. One is the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Closing arguments were yesterday. If you're a trial buff at all, you watch that vigorously. You, You could care less about the president giving a speech about a bill that has already passed, and he has, you know, Moments away from signing. And the second thing is that Steve Bannon has surrendered to local authorities um, for his part in the January 6th commission. In this case, he was held in contempt of Congress on two counts. Uh, One was he refused to show, and the second was he refused to turn over any documents or materials regarding it. So those are, you know, kind of the problem. You know, could they not have pushed this off? You know, he could have signed it yesterday or well, excuse me, he could have he could have signed it today or waited a bit, um, and then and then had the pomp and circumstance. I mean, they have months to try to sell this thing, and they they didn't do that. <clears throat> and Another major problem that they had and and this is where I was saying they kind of alluded to it was you know Nancy Pelosi gets up and she she gives this like history lesson on infrastructure bills and presidents in the past who have passed them and she brings up you know Thomas Jefferson was the first president to do an infrastructure thing I don't know if it was a bill or if he just ordered his secretary of I believe it was commerce to just go ahead and do it And then you had Lincoln. They brought up Lincoln several times with the Transcontinental Railroad. Uh, They brought up Theodore Roosevelt with uh, his National Park Service. They brought up Eisenhower a lot, too, about highways. So highways and the railroad were huge themes that they kept talking about. And then they tried to compare yesterday's infrastructure bill to those. And right off the bat, I noticed a huge problem was that when you can talk about uh, the Transcontinental Railroad, that was one bill. That was one thing that Lincoln did. He didn't bundle it with 50 billion other things. It was, hey, let's build a Transcontinental Railroad to unite a country after a civil war kind of a deal. And the President Eisenhower's highway system was pretty much... The same thing. It was one thing. You didn't call it President Eisenhower's infrastructure bill and then have to define it. If you said Eisenhower infrastructure, uh, everybody immediately goes to highways. If you say Lincoln infrastructure, uh, it's possible you could go two ways. You could go transcontinental railroad, which is absolutely true. You could also say that yeah, it was his infrastructure in the north that allowed him to absolutely totally crush the south, which is also true. But the point is, is that those men and their initiatives are easily defined by the one thing, Theodore Roosevelt, parks, um, <laughs> you know, FDR, the New Deal. And the New Deal has kind of, you know, meshed into everything, but, but ultimately it's it's the social safety net that kept a lot of people from freezing to death in the winter here in this country and kept people from starving to death when they got older and couldn't work anymore in our capitalist system. But here's the issue, you know, it's like, what are they selling? Because they couldn't sell just one thing. And that, to me, is the weakness of this bill and also the weakness of today's politics. Even Obama's health care bill, which I approved of, had so many things in it, it was like, no, this isn't easily definable. And because it's so huge, everybody can find something in it they don't like. You're making it too easy. It's too easy for any Republican to point to one thing and be like, oh, that is why I could not in good conscience support this bill. You don't want to make it easy for them. Uh, Here's an example. A huge deal that is extremely popular, and if you asked any American chances are you're going to get a yes, please do that, was lead pipes. This country has a significant amount of lead pipes that are poisoning its own citizens over time. Those lead pipes are also starting to degrade, which means the poisoning is happening much faster. So this bill that they just passed is going to replace every single lead pipe in the country. That is a very positive thing. That is a good thing. There is no you know, objective way to see that as a negative. Why not make it biden's lead pipe bill seriously just do a lead pipe bill hey i'm gonna get rid of all the poison lead pipes and if nobody says anything nice about president biden 20 years from now they will all agree hey you know what though that lead pipe thing that was legit that was a problem that needed to be fixed that everyone agreed was a thing and he did it and then you would associate biden with lead pipes Another thing that's extremely popular, but gets lost in the weeds here, is high-speed internet. There are whole areas in this country, rural and urban, mostly poor, but also could just be, you know, isolated. They could they could be remote, that they don't have access to internet. Now... While the cynic in me is saying, you know, maybe more internet isn't exactly the answer to our country's problems, everyone, for the most part, would agree, hey, you know what, though, everyone should have access to this. This is a good thing. And we can argue over creating it and then handing it over to companies like Comcast is a good thing or not, but ultimately we're creating this thing, we're going to do this thing, we're going to give it to everybody. You could make a whole bill based on that. Biden's High-speed internet bill. You know, they could they could bring that up. Broadband. High-speed internet. Biden. Biden broadband. Biden broadband bill. There's your BBB. You don't need Build Back Better. Biden broadband bill. There you go. Bam. And it's not a huge $1.2 trillion price tag because obviously it's just the one thing. It's something everyone agrees on. Uh, and the Republicans are going to have a really hard time arguing about it. You know, the price isn't going to be $1.2 trillion. And it's something that everyone likes, even on the right and the left. And that's fantastic. Or you could say, hey, this is just for roads and bridges. Biden's roads and bridges bill, which, again, this thing does. This is going to go along to a lot of bridges and a lot of roads that are decrepit and falling apart here in this country. And they're going to repair them or replace them. And that's also good. Everyone agrees on that. And it could be easy. It could be Biden's Roads and Bridges Bill. Bam! There you go. You don't have to do it. But instead, they bundled all of this stuff. So you have lead pipes, high-speed internet, roads and bridges, public transit, public rail, airports, shipping efficiency, electric car charging stations, which... Okay, that's one of the things they were selling was electric car charging stations, and I understand we want to go to electric cars, and I'm okay with going to electric cars... But for Pete's sake, that's not where we are. Okay, I'm going to go on a mini rant here about electric car charging stations. If you make electric cars more accessible, you will create a demand for more electric charging stations. It will behoove the industry to do this for you. This is what happened with gas stations. The United States government didn't build millions of gas stations. People bought gas cars, cars created a demand for easily accessible gas stations, and the industry rose up to do it. Like, I get it, I'm not a fan of capitalism, but this is what capitalism does really well. It meets demand. If you asked me, what should we do with that money, rather than building electric car charging stations, which again, are not going to be state-run, they're going to be turned over to private industry. I would rather subsidize electric cars or, you know, tax the hell out of, you know, normal fuel burning cars to make electric cars more appealing. And that will create the demand... But instead they did this. And it's it's one of those things. It's, it's an easy thing that even people who are supporting of, like, I like the idea of all of us driving electric cars in the future. I think that's where we should be heading. But this is the wrong way to go about doing it. Um, I, I think this is kind of silly. Uh, and something that they shouldn't have in there. So yeah, there's that. And oh god. Then there's the dangerous limousines dangerous largely unregulated vehicles like limos safer to use on the road really it was horrific preventable tragedy stemming from outdated federal rules and loopholes that allowed dangerous limos to operate on the road unchecked really kevin my friend it was an honor to fight alongside you and today patrick is smiling Now, look, I'm not trying to make light of a tragedy. Obviously, it sucks when these things happen. And I have absolutely no problem with any legislation that makes vehicles on our roads safer. I am all in favor of it. What I find incredible is that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer had all of five minutes to stand up there and talk about infrastructure. I think he even had less than that. He dedicated a minute and a half just to this one topic on dangerous limousines. Apparently, he had a family member in the audience who had suffered a horrific tragedy. I understand that. Politicians do this from time to time. But when you've only got about four to five minutes of real estate, you're spending the majority of it. He talked about dangerous limousines longer than anything else. Everybody else pretty much stayed on script. Everybody else was like, hey, lead pipes, high-speed internet, roads and bridges, public transit, rail, electric car charging stations. You know, they they all bundled it in. They got it in there. That's what they were there to talk about. And also you know, compare this bill versus past infrastructure things. They wanted to really sell how huge this thing was. And then Schumer just goes off on this 90-second tangent of dangerous limousines, and I'm sitting here as your average American, who obviously does not ride in limousines very often, going, what the hell are you doing? Why are you bringing up limousines? Like, this is not an issue that anyone anyone is talking about even Biden didn't bring this up and he had 20 minutes to talk and in his 20 minutes he couldn't find two seconds to bring up dangerous limos so for me it just seemed like a huge huge misallocation of resources it's like like okay fine if that's in the bill that's fine again I have no problem with this and yes it's probably for a good cause and it's not gonna hurt anyone I know at all because no one I know rides in limousines But for fuck's sake, why are you spending 90 seconds when you have four minutes on limousines? Something you know the average constituent doesn't ride in. And I think this speaks mostly to Chuck Schumer's problem. I have a lot of problems with this man. This is one of them. He is more out of touch than any other member of Congress, I think, because clearly he heard limousines are dangerous and is like, oh, fuck, but me and everyone I know and my family rides in them all the time. So clearly it was a priority for him. So therefore, in his brain, it's a priority for everyone. And I'm just like, dude, that's not how that happens. We don't care. I mean, yeah, that sucks, but so what? Um, and yeah, that that, to me, he just needs to be removed as, as majority leader. He's completely and totally ineffective. And I think this really emphasizes how out of touch he is with your average everyday American. And I just couldn't help myself. I had to put together that soundbite with, uh, you know, Kyle from South Park, just, just asking really over and over again with, with the ludicrousness of it. And again, the, the bill's probably fine. The law is probably fine, but like Why are you bringing this up? This is supposed to be victory lap day, and you're talking about limousines. Um, So that was just crazy for me. And we'll be back in just a second to finish this up. Okay, and welcome back to Recovery from Politics podcast. Um, So I've been having this debate lately. Uh, With with people on the left. Okay, and they're frustrated right now because they see all these really popular things like Lead pipes is very popular, and high-speed internet is very popular, and fixing roads and bridges is extremely popular, and, you know, almost everything inside of this infrastructure bill is extremely popular. So they have this complaint with why are the Democrats losing, why are they projected to lose in 2022, and of course if they lose in 2022, chances are they're going to lose in 2024. We have Trump again, or a Trump-like stooge, and possibly the end of democracy as we know it. And they're very frustrated with this because they're like, why are the Democrats winning so much except at the polls? I'm going to try to explain this a little bit. Okay, in 2008, it was between McCain and Obama, but try to imagine earlier during the GOP primary. Uh, McCain had it locked up significantly sooner than Obama. Obama was going up against the Hillary Clinton machine, so it took a lot longer for the Democrats to figure out their thing uh but McCain meanwhile rode in uh you know he was he was different he was the maverick mm-hmm. um but he also had more war experience than anybody else running against him and at the time of the GOP primary by the time it locked up it was very clear that most Americans in 2008, really had negative views of what the hell was going on in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, They were huge clusters, nobody liked them, and everybody felt like, okay, well, at least with McCain, he has military experience, he has combat experience, so, you know, it couldn't hurt to have somebody like that, whereas, you know, with Bush, okay, yeah, you can say he was in the National Guard, and okay, he was a pilot, but, but he wasn't, like, combat experience, he didn't... Have to see this stuff. So perhaps McCain's different view of looking at things will mean that he'll be able to get these shitstorms under control. So he sailed through and locked up the GOP nomination fairly quickly. You know, good for him. But by the time, you know, he locked it up, the conversation had already changed. The economy shit the bed hardcore, right in the middle of the Democratic primaries. Now, this actually served to help because Obama and Hillary immediately shifted from how they would deal with the wars to how they would fix the economies and both of them decided that healthcare was a huge deal, you know, healthcare leading to bankruptcies, bankruptcies causing people to, you know, obviously suffer. So if we can fix that, we can fix other things and so on and so forth. And then the big huge healthcare debate began on the campaign trail right there in 2008 amidst the economic crisis. Well, McCain kind of blew himself up early on accident, way back in the GOP primary when the economy was still chugging along and nobody was really worried about a balloon exploding on them. He admitted openly that he didn't know much about economics. It just wasn't his strong suit. And honestly, in normal times, that is a perfectly fine thing for a leader to admit, hey, you know what? this isn't me, you know, so I'm going to rely on the experts and that's cool. You know, I mean, we all wish that Trump would have done that with COVID, right? Just be like, Hey, I know absolutely nothing about this. I'm going to rely on the experts and nobody would have complained about this. And, you know, to a degree, uh, Bush, you know, 43 also did this. Uh, he (laughs) maddeningly, insanely to me was, He would go ahead and say, well, you know, I listen to the boots on the ground and the generals, the generals are there and I always listen to the generals and they're the experts. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they're the experts at war, but you're the president and your job is to oversee them and direct them. So, but anyway, you know, it's okay for leaders to admit This isn't in my wheelhouse. And so I give props to McCain for admitting it. It just was insanely bad timing on his part because he's on camera saying, I don't know much about economics. And then a month or two later, the economy crashes and all of a sudden he's stuck there. So the McCain campaign couldn't really pivot to all of a sudden having him talk about economics every five seconds because everyone would think it rang hollow. It'd be like, but you said you don't know anything about economics. So why would I listen to you? right? And because it was so fresh in everybody's mind, again, he didn't say this 10 years ago in some random interview that someone dug up and, you know, created an attack ad out of. This was something he said either during a debate or an interview while he was still on the campaign trail there in 2008. So it was fresh in everyone's mind. Everybody knew this. He is not economically inclined, if you want to call it that. So they had a difficult time pivoting, so they just didn't So, finally, it's Obama versus McCain, and Obama's talking about healthcare, and healthcare's tied to the economy, because the healthcare industry is about one-fifth of the American economy, so if we can fix that, we can inject a little lifeblood into the system and get everything moving again, right? He had a good message, and it sold, and it helped that he was an excellent communicator. So this, this message came out, everybody agreed with it, everybody's like, yes, this is good. McCain, meanwhile, was still talking about Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And everyone's like, yes, those issues are important. And if you look at the polls from back then, McCain always scored higher than Obama when it came to who do you trust to handle the wars in the Middle East? Well, of course, McCain. No one changed their mind on that. That opinion never changed. The difference was what mattered to Americans. When McCain won the nomination, what mattered to Americans were the wars in the Middle East. When it came to the 2008 general election, what mattered to Americans was the economy and health care. It was not the wars in the Middle East. So try as McCain might, as much as he kept pounding a table about, hey, everybody, you really need to pay attention about these wars, everyone's sitting there going, okay, great, I don't care because I can't put food on the table. Or my mom has, you know, diabetes and she's going to lose her foot and I can't pay for it. Okay, that was the situation all the way back then and that's kind of where we are now. Democrats are horrible at dealing with the message of today for the most part, especially Congress. So, like, lead pipes was a number one issue all the way back in 2012. When Flint, Michigan first started having it, that was when lead pipes was an issue. That was when everyone was like, yes, you need to go do something about that. And they didn't. They're just getting it done now, nine years later. High-speed internet has been around for a long time. And yes, everyone supports high-speed internet all across the country. Everyone knows there are dead zones. That's fine. That's an issue that should have been dealt with years ago. Roads and bridges. Okay, there was a period in our time, you know, not too long ago when, like, there was a good three months there where it was like a bridge was collapsing every other week, including one up here in Washington that scared the crap out of people. (laughs) Okay, that was when roads and bridges was a priority. That was when you should have done something. So, you know, nobody's denying that all of these issues are popular. Everyone likes them. Everyone wants them done. But when you look out there right now, No one's really concerned about it. It's not the number one issue for them. Is it still a priority? Yes, but it's down the list. It's towards the bottom of the list. Because right now, the number one issue is kids in schools. Kids in schools is the number one issue. And kids in schools is tied to the economy. Parents can't go to work because their kids are at home. Parents can't afford daycare, so they have to stay home. They can't work. That is the issue right now. So when the Democrats are selling lead pipes and everything, they're like, great, I can have clean drinking water as I sit here at home not working because my kids are here. Like, this is not an issue for me. My issue is my kids are at home. You need to get them to school. This is why the Democrats lost in Virginia, and I think it's why they're heading for a lot of losses down the road. They can point and scream and say, "Look, we did all these wonderful things," and it's true they did, but it's not what anybody cares about right now. It's just—it's just not a priority for us. I'm sorry. Um, It's—it's it's blowing up in everyone's faces right now. Problems are regular boilerplate stuff. It's get back to work. Inflation is an issue. Honestly. Uh, they should scrap their next Build Back Better plan, because this is only part one, right? There's supposed to be a whole nother infrastructure bill. Nancy Pelosi has already said that, you know, the Democrats aren't going home for Thanksgiving unless they get this done. And it's like, that's fantastic. No one cares about it. Inflation trumps climate change. It trumps prescription drug care costs. Inflation fucks up everything. You need to focus on that. This supply chain thing is making everything crazy. And you can tell everyone, hey, it's just temporary and it's only because of COVID. That's fantastic. You need to actually do something, even if it's performative bullshit. You have to pass something that makes everyone feel like you're on top of it. Because right now you're dealing with issues that happened five years ago. That's great. You're catching us up to today. Now I need you to deal with today. If they scrap this Build Back Better plan right now with a full-on bill to deal with the bo- you know, supply chain bottlenecks, getting people back to work, getting kids back in school, okay, fine. You need to do it. You need to do it right now. I guarantee you their poll numbers would go up, even if they fought like cats and dogs, worse than they did for the infrastructure bill. As long as they were fighting over something that people cared about. The number one issue today is getting people back in school and ending this COVID bullshit. That is your number one thing. Number one. Congress needs to get in there, and they need to pass some bills, and these bills need to be simple, they need to be small, and they need to be on point. They need to be on message. There has to be no way that a Republican can get up and argue about it. You have to force the Republicans into measly little mice, like, mewing about the about eh, socialism. Heh. You have to do that, but they're not doing that right now instead they're going to focus on childcare, prescription drugs and climate change. And those three things, yes, they're important. Yes, everyone agrees those are priorities that should be prioritized, but just not now. And I know that's infuriating for a lot of people on the left because among a lot of the problems that everyone's dealing with right now, racial injustice. I get it. I'm there with you. I wish it would happen too. And honestly, if the if I had any faith in the Democrats' ability to do two things at once, I would say, yeah, let's go ahead and do that too. But it's just not a priority right now. It's just not. Inflation trumps everything. Schools not being open trumps everything. Okay? It's 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 that simple. These things all poll well. You can look at the polling, and I see it in the media all the time. They're like, these issues are all polling, and like 80% of the country agrees with them. Yes, that's very true. But do Americans care? And I know the argument is, oh, well, Kyle, we just keep kicking the can down the road and and everything. And I'm like, yes, but kicking the can down the road doesn't mean you're not going to go kick it again. And I know that sounds stupid, but it's true. At least we will keep talking about it. We will keep working towards it. We are working towards a more perfect union every day of the week. But unfortunately, the needs of right now are more important than the needs of the future. And this is especially important considering you have a Republican Party that is united behind somebody who is an authoritarian. Okay, they don't give a shit if democracy lives or dies. That is the paramount threat. So if if you believe that's true, if you believe Trump is the kind of asshole who's going to seize power and never let it go... Your priority has to be making sure that the Democrats win elections above all else. And that, unfortunately, means pandering to assholes you don't care about and prioritizing their needs above your own. Because, let's face it, if you're in a blue state, I'm sorry, we're not important right now. Washington State, California, Oregon, Hawaii, New York, we don't matter We don't fucking matter right now. Our priorities are not the rest of the countries right now. Unfortunately, you need to work those margins. You need to get into Florida, places like Florida, Texas, where you know, yeah, sure, we're probably not going to win those states, but damn it, you have to stop this Trump wins this county by 80% bullshit. You have to win at the margins. You have to lower it. You have to make it close because if it's a blowout in places like that, it's just going to get worse. They have to go into Wisconsin, they have to go into Michigan, and they have to sell hardcore to the people you and I probably hate and dismiss as idiots, because most voters are, and they have to sell them that their priorities actually matter. And their priorities right now is inflation and getting their kids back in school. That's it. That's really it. Everything else has to be shelved. Has to. Because everything is no longer a local issue. It's all nationalized. What happens in California when when San Francisco loses its shit, it gets sold across the country as, look, this is what the Democrats are going to do if you give them power. And unfortunately, it works. So what we have to do is focus on the really, really evil shit the Republicans are doing And remind everyone, hey, if you let them back in power, this is what they're going to do. And, oh, that's not going to be hard to do because January 6th kind of proves they're into it. So, I'm sorry, I don't know what else to say to my left-leaning friends. It's just like, you guys, I'm sorry, your priorities don't matter. My priorities don't matter. The purple states matter. Even red states matter. They matter more than us. Unfortunately, that's the system we're in. We have the Electoral College. I'm sorry. And as long as we have the Electoral College, uh, then that's the system we're in. Sorry. You know, Texas, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, those states matter more than we do. We need to cater to their priorities or we are going to lose our democracy. You want us, You want to get rid of the Electoral College for real? Let Trump win. He will abolish that the second he thinks it won't work for him. If you consider him and the Republican Party existential threats to democracy, then that's it. You have to end everything else. And this nihilism, this let-it-all-burn-down bullshit, you really don't want it. You don't want anarchy. You don't want libertarianism. You don't want every man for himself. You have no idea what you would be asking for. You want the trains to run on time? Keep the Democrats in charge, as maddening and as stupid as that is as crazy as they are, as bad at politics as they are. You have to keep with them, and you have to stop pushing them to the left. Let them be centrists for a while. It'll all work out. Anyway, that's our show for today. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you guys have been enjoying things. Please, you know, share it to people you like, people you don't like, maybe some some red-leaning folks in your family you'd like to piss off. Have them listen to me for a bit. I try to be fair. Um, I'm not a fan of the Democrats either. But, you know. Anyway, you guys have a good day. We'll see you later.